Good evening, church. Isn't it wonderful? We can sing a, a hymn like that to know that God never leaves us nor forsakes us. And that is true. We never are alone because of His goodness and because of His grace. It is great to see you here this evening, both members and visitors alike. We thank God for your presence. Let's go to God in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, hallowed be your great and amazing name. Thank you for your great creation, things seen and things unseen. Thank you for the creation of the angelic realm, whom you made to be servants, ministering to us, your children, while here on the earth. We're thankful for that angelic activity. But greater than that, O oh God, we're thankful for you because you know us and you've known us and you are eternal. Please help us in our worship this evening to honor you in all that we say and do as we participate. Keep our minds, please, clear from worldly thought and help us to dwell and think only on you and of your word, your will and your way. And we can never thank you enough for Jesus, your great son, who died that we might live Thank you. It's in Jesus' holy and precious name. We pray these things. Be thy will. Amen. Tonight we're going to talk about John the Baptist. We'll begin the series on John the Baptist. And I was trying to, to um, bring this series in as we're right now going through Jesus in every book of the Old Testament. And now we're rounding the corner uh, for of Jesus in every book. And now I'm going to bring John in who is the way preparer for Jesus. And so... Just think about all the miraculous things that not only God has done, but the prophecy and how, how God has interwoven His Word and everything else through history, through time. And Jesus is Jesus is Jesus. And we hear about Him all the time. And now, John the Baptist, right? How the prophecy, just for one prophecy to exist with Jesus, and now just one prophecy to exist with John the Baptist is an absolute amazing number and it shouldn't be true. And the only reason it is true is because of God. And so John the Baptist repaired the way for Jesus Christ. Around 800 A, uh, B.C., Isaiah uh, spoke of, of the birth of John the Baptist. Now Jesus had a miraculous birth, but John also, through Elizabeth and Zechariah, also had a miraculous birth. We'll see this in just a second. Let's begin in Isaiah chapter 40. Let's begin reading at verse 3 to look at John's account. Uh, speaking of all the things that happened. He's the man who was the preparer for Jesus Christ. He lived in the wilderness and we'll look more at him in just a moment over this little uh, lesson that we have. Verse 3 says, A voice is calling, Clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness. Make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. So here's this voice who's calling and saying, here comes Jesus. Isaiah talks about this 800 years. 800 years, if you will, um, before Christ comes on the scene. Matthew chapter 3. Matthew picks this up, this particular account, and he says, this is what was spoken by the prophet. Let's look at it. Matthew 3, beginning at verse 1. Now in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is the one referred to by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, 
make ready the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Malachi chapter 3. John was one of those prophets like Elijah, um, who was really unique uh, in, in, in different ways. And we'll look at some of his uniqueness uh, here in a moment. But let's continue on the prophecy. He prepares the way. Malachi 3 and verse 1. Behold, I am going to send my messenger, and he will clear the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. So again, about Jesus, and about John, and the message from the Father, here about 400 years before it came to pass. And then Malachi 4, beginning at verse 4, it says, Remember the law of Moses, my servant, even the statutes and ordinances which I'm commanding him in Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I am going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. And he will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the land with a curse. Okay. Matthew chapter chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, rather. Excuse me. Luke chapter 1. The miraculous birth. So what made it miraculous? Well, listen to the text and you'll gain an understanding of what made this birth a miraculous birth. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 5. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. And they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they were both advanced in years. So the first part there is that they were both too old <laughs> to have children, right? And so here comes God and his, and his work where he brings this, this child through this very, very old couple. What does that remind you of? Abram and Sarah, right? Two, two families who are advanced in years and yet, and yet they have children. What's interesting about John, is you, there's this description of the priesthood. And so, when you read through the Bible, you notice that they challenge Jesus, but they're a little leery of John. Because they understand John is special and unique and different. Was he more special than Jesus? Absolutely not. But the fact that John, the immerser is whom he actually is, John the Immerser, John the Baptist, his parents, both father and mother, have this priestly descent that is obvious, right? It's witnessed, and they knew it without a shadow of a doubt. And so they had this certain fear of John that they actually didn't have of Jesus, which is really weird, right? Look at Luke chapter 1, continuing, verse 8. Now it came about while he was performing his priestly service before God, in the appointed order of his division, according to the custom of the priestly office, he was chosen by lot to enter into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were in prayer outside at the hour of the incense offering. So imagine Zacharias, they're, they're, they're choosing him by lot. So it's his, it's, you know, God obviously ordained it, right? For Zacharias to go in and, and, and make the offering, if you will, for the people. He's chosen by God. And the people are all outside and they're praying to God and they're witnessing what's happening. 
in verse 10, And the whole multitude of the people were in prayer outside at the hour of the incense offering. It goes on to say, And an angel of the Lord appeared to him, saying, uh, Standing to the right of the altar, incense. And Zacharias was troubled when he saw him, and fear gripped him. Remember, uh, when you're going into the Holy of Holies, right? Or when you're going into any, doing any kind of service with God, what they fear could happen? <laughs> they could die, right? If you don't do it right. And so you can imagine the fear when the angel shows up. Like, uh-oh, <laughs> what have I done, right? But it's okay, everything's fine. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. And Zacharias was troubled when he saw him, and fear gripped him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your petition has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. So here comes John, a very specific man from God, appointed by God, to do the work and the service of God. John, the Bible teaches us that names are important to God. Right? That's a whole other lesson. But names are important to God. Verse 18. Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this for certain? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you shall be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which shall be fulfilled in their proper time. All right, so he doubts an angel. He doesn't doubt God. He doubts an angel, and the angel says, okay, do you really want to know? Well, I'll tell you what, you will not, you'll be unable to speak until the birth of your son. Sometimes it's better not to ask questions. <laughs> so, he asks the question, he receives the answer, all the way over in verse 39, please. Verse 39, now at this time, Mary arose and went with haste to the hill country, to a city of Judah, and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it came about that when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, listen to this whole idea of, is that baby alive in the womb? Ah. The baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed among women are you, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how is it has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? But behold, when the sound of your greetings reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? That baby could hear, could rejoice, and could laugh. And you pregnant women know it, right? You women have had babies, you know it, right? You, you see the rumble in your belly, we've seen that. What an amazing, what an amazing text. And verse 57 Verse 57. Now the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth. And she brought forth a son. And her neighbors and her relatives heard that the Lord had displayed his great mercy toward her. And they were rejoicing with her. And it came about that 
on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to call his name Zechariah after his father. And his mother answered and said, No, indeed, but he shall be called John. And they said to her, There is no one among your relatives who is called by that name. And they made signs to his father as to what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a tablet and wrote as follows. His name is John. And they were all astonished. And at once his mouth was open and his tongue loosed. And he began to speak. Praise the praise of God. And fear came on all those living around them. And all that matters being talked about in all the hill country of Judea. So, a miraculous birth. Here comes another miracle over the fact that John, the immerser, John the Baptist, is born. And this man would be unique and special to all of humanity. In verse 66, And all who heard him kept them in mind, saying, What then will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was certainly with him. So when you read about John and you're looking at his life, you go, well, why did they ever mess with John? Why didn't they threaten him? Well, you know, Herod did because Herod, uh, uh, um, a mess, message was preached to him he didn't like. Why didn't they mess with John, though? The Pharisees and the scribes. Why were they afraid of him? Well, they knew for a sh- without a shadow of a doubt that he was a Nazarite, number one, and that he was a special man from God and he was a priest or a child of the priesthood. Luke 1 and verse 15. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink no wine or liquor, and he will be filled with joy, the Holy Spirit, while yet in his mother's womb. And certainly we saw that. Numbers chapter 6. Let's review quickly um, just a few verses about a Nazarite. Beginning in verse 1. Again the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, When a man or woman makes a special vow, the vow of a Nazarite, to dedicate himself to the Lord. He shall abstain from wine and strong drink. He shall drink no vinegar, whether made from wine or strong drink. Neither shall he drink any grape juice, nor eat any fresh or dried grapes. All the days of his separation, he shall not eat anything that is produced by the grapevine from the seeds, even to the skin. So, he didn't choose to be a Nazarite. He was chosen to be a Nazarite, right? Which is amazing. Okay, Matthew, Matthew chapter 3. So here's where the confusion came in. Matthew chapter 3 regarding John. John was so unique and so special that they thought maybe John is the Messiah. Maybe he's the promised one. Maybe he's the one the Bible has been speaking of all this time and where the world, the world, the Gentiles, the Jews, the whole world were expecting the Messiah to be born around this time. This is, by the way, six months before Jesus is born. So John the Baptist is born six months before Jesus. Matthew 3 and verse 4. Now John himself had a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt about his waist and his food was locusts and wild honey. He's different, right? He was the kind of fellow he'd invite for dinner and he said, no, I got plenty. And he reaches into a satchel and pulls out some locusts, right? And you go, okay, right? He's different. He was unique. Why was he so 
different. Turn to Second Kings, please, chapter 1. And so unique. What made him different? What made him unique? He was a spiritual man, led in a spiritual way, and he did not stray from his mission. Second Kings, uh, chapter, chapter 1 is where I want to go. Beginning at 4. There's another one that was different. Elijah the Tishbite. Now therefore thus says the Lord. You should not come down from the bed where you have gone up. But you shall surely die. Then Elijah departed. Isaiah was sick and he was going to die. And he sent uh, his messengers off to get a message from Beelzebub. And so God interrupted that mission and sent Elijah. And this is what Elijah had to say. Verse 5. When the messenger returned to him, he said to him, Why are you returned? Or why have you returned? Excuse me. And they said to him, A man came up to meet us and said to us, Go, return to the king who sent you and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Is it because there is no God in Israel that you are sending to inquire of Beelzebub, the God of Ekron? Therefore you shall not come down from the bed where you have gone up, but shall surely die. And he said to them, What kind of man was he who came up to meet you and spoke these words to you? And they answered him, He was a hairy man with a leather girded bound about his loins. And he said, It is Elijah the Tishbite. John, very similar, right, to Elijah. Luke chapter 1, please. Luke chapter 1. And the verse uh, I want to look at is verse 80. Verse 80. He was uniquely special and designated by God. Verse 80 says, And the child continued to grow and become strong in spirit, and he lived in the deserts until the day of his public appearance at Israel. Another interesting thing, you know, he's, he's, he isolated himself and stayed away from, from people. John is the Elijah who was to come, right? Was he, was he the one? No, he wasn't the one. He wasn't Jesus. Was he God? No, he wasn't God. Was he an angel? No, he wasn't an angel. He was a way preparer. Matthew, Malachi, please, chapter four. He was a man who prepared the way for Jesus Christ. And Malachi has this final message that he brings uh, to the people. And he says, Behold, verse 5, I'm going to send you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. You know, one day we're going to do a study on why was the day of the Lord so terrible? I mean, it was a great day, but it was also a terrible day. What was terrible about the coming of the Messiah? We'll have to look at that. Um, be a great study. He prepared the way. I'm going to send to you Elijah. Luke chapter 1, please, in verse 16. Luke chapter 1 and verse 16. Listen to what it says. And he will turn back many of the sons of Israel to the Lord God. Speaking of John and Jesus. And it is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient 
to the attitude of the righteous so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And so the people, their hearts had to be prepared to receive Jesus, to, to move from the physical to the spiritual. John comes in the spirit, right, of Elijah. He has the same spirit. He has the same zeal. So you've got to go back and study Elijah, right, to know what kind of zeal Elijah had for the Lord. Remember in 1 Kings chapter 19, well, chapter 18, uh, Elijah stands with God. He stands by himself against 800 prophets of Baal, right? 400 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of, of Asherah. And he stood up there and he said, if God is God, serve him. And if Baal is God, serve him. And they said, it's a great idea. And then Elijah is the one who said, we're going to pray to our God. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. So Elijah is the one who built the altars and he built uh, an altar to God. And they built an altar to Baal. And they cried to their God and cried and cried. And their God never answered because it was never a God. But then when Elijah cried to God, God answered by fire and destroyed that incomplete altar. Right? And the people said, the Lord, he is God. Elijah is the one who outran the chariot. Remember that? He outran the chariot. Elijah was the one who had this great zeal for God. He was the enemy of God's enemies. And now John the Immerser, John the Baptist will come in that same spirit and become an enemy of God's enemies. Who are you, John? We'll look at that, Lord willing, next week when they sent messengers asking, who is this man? Matthew chapter 11, please. So Jesus explained to his disciples that John is the Elijah who was promised by the Father. He is that fulfillment that everyone has been looking for. Verse 7, please. And as these were going away, Jesus began to speak to the multitudes about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind. But what did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing. Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's palaces. But why did you go out? To see a prophet, yes. I say to you, and one who is more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it was written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Now, how was John more than a prophet? Right? What, was, what was John? Right? Let's keep going. Verse 11. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet he who is the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist... Until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and violent men take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you care to accept it, he himself is Elijah who was to come. He who has an ear or ears to hear, let him hear. And so all the prophets, the Old Testament, if you will, speaking all the way through the law of Moses, came to this special and unique dispensation, Right? patriarchal dispensation, basically the book of Genesis, all the way and through Exodus. And then when you get into Exodus, from Exodus, say, about 20, all the way to the end, which is Malachi, you have this, um, this, this mosaical 
time period, if you will, which carried all the way through Jesus Christ. But in there comes this special, unique dispensation and belongs to John, who prepared the way for the Messiah, for Jesus, who came. And John is more than a prophet and the greatest man that's ever lived on the face of the earth, save Jesus. And yet he's the least. So who was John? Hopefully we'll gain more insight as we talk about this a little further. John chapter 1. Not John the Baptist, but John, the disciple of the Lord, the son of Zebedee. John chapter 1, beginning at verse 6. It says, There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came for a witness that he might bear witness of the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came that he might bear witness of the light. So when they come asking him, Who are you? Are you the one? He says, I'm not the one. I'm not the one. That's Behold the Lamb of God who comes and takes away the sins of the world. He was not the light. He was not that light. And yet they treated him with a special, unique honor as if he was that light. He was a light, like we are lights, a reflection of Jesus. But he was not that light. He was not the Messiah. Like when you're talking to people about Jesus, if they don't believe all the prophets, prophetic messages in him about Jesus Christ, if they don't believe the Bible in itself as if, just go back and study Elijah and then go study John with them. John the Baptist. Again, an undeniable fact. You can read about him anywhere in the whole world about this crazy, unique man. Excuse my, my word crazy, but you know, it was different. Who lived in the wilderness, who ate locusts and wild honey, and yet was the most, one of the most powerful prophets and even more than a prophet that mankind has ever seen. And they wrote about that, John. And why did they fear him? You know, he spoke to them in a way, to the Pharisees and the scribes, in a way to where you think with all the power and all the might the Sanhedrin had, they never one time spoke of killing John. Jesus, yes. John, absolutely not. Because they knew without a shadow of a doubt that he was of a priestly descent and came from God. And guess what John said? You think I'm something? Jesus, that's God. And they still didn't listen. How about that? I guess the question in closing out tonight is, what will it take? I mean, what will it take? It's funny, we, you know, we, we read about uh, literature from, from the past, and, and you pick up a, a, something that's ancient, and you read it and go, wow, this is, this is pretty impressive. And yet you have this ancient book, the Bible, that has all these accounts of all these people, uh, people, places, times, events, activities, the miraculous, all this stuff about God, the creation, everything. And people still look at the book and go, well, you know, I don't know, I don't know. What will it take to get us to, be, to believe, to cause us to believe in God? Well, John says, I came to prepare the way for the Messiah. And if you're willing to listen, uh, we'll even gain more insight on how great Jesus is. Uh, and then we'll gain also more insight on John himself and his message. The lesson is yours tonight. Thank you for your time. If you're not a Christian and would like to surrender to God in the waters of baptism, 
the water's always ready. Uh, we're ready. God's always ready. If you're struggling in your faith, then we can pray with you or pray for you. If there's anything that we can do to help you in any way, please make it known. While together we stand and sing our song of invitation.